okay, you want to go to medical school, but you aren't confident that your MCAT score will help you get over the threshold and into the program of your dreams. Maybe you're planning ahead for next year's cycle or a later application. In either case, you know that the MCAT is in your future. How should you prepare? Let's find out with this interview with Todd Bennett, co-founder of the Berkeley Review, who has been preparing applicants for the MCAT for over 30 years. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Acceptance founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 480th episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me. Before I introduce our guest today, I'd like to invite you to take Accepted's Med School Admissions Quiz. Ask yourself, are you ready to apply to your dream medical schools? Are you competitive at your target programs? Accepted's Med School Admissions Quiz can give you a quick reality check. Just go to accepted.com slash medquiz, complete the quiz, and you'll not only get an assessment, but actionable tips on how to improve your chances of acceptance. Plus, it's all free. Again, take the quiz and get the tips at accepted.com slash medquiz. Our guest today is Todd Bennett, whom I met many, many years ago. He was at the time the CEO of the Berkeley Review. And for the entire time since I met him those many moons ago, he's been an expert MCAT instructor, both for the Berkeley Review and on his own. Todd, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, I guess I just want to start, is, is there anything new in terms of the MCAT and the MCAT prep world since we last spoke about a year ago? Well, the biggest thing comes down to uh, COVID restrictions have basically simmered away and it's no longer the same concern it was. So whereas... Uh, I mean, the content is a content and that, that hasn't seemed to change much, but the delivery and all the stress and all the weird times and all that, they finally settled in. It looks like it's just going to go back to a, the regular shot. Some centers will have two test uh, times during a day. Some will have one and none, no more of this crazy three tests in a day, shortened test. It's all back to normal. So that's the biggest thing, if anything, is COVID restrictions have kind of just gone away. There's still some... Mean basic protocols, but it, it's so much better, less stress. Good, good. How do you recommend that students prepare for the MCAT? I mean, I know that's a big, big, big yeah. question and you take, take weeks to do it, but could you give us an overview? Yeah, the biggest thing is that at the very start, look at what you're, what you're studying for. And the only people who put out the realistic questions, the ones that are authentic or have been on the MCAT or are very similar are AAMC, the company that uh, is responsible for the test. Start with their materials. They have an MCAT guide that's the best thing out in the market. And all these people with these super secrets they have are pretty much just people who've read that book from start to finish. They're pretty straightforward in what percentages of the questions they give, what type of questions, how they ask their questions, what they're looking for. And so if you just start there and really analyze and, and break that down, you realize from day one, you don't have to know it. The material you're studying, you don't have to know at the same level you studied for college. It's not that it's harder or easier, it's different. You have to apply it. So in, I'll take physics, for instance, one of the topics I taught all those years, where in school people memorize equations, learn to do problems, show their work, box their answer, pray for partial credit. That, that's kind of physics in a nutshell. On the MCAT, they're going to talk about some experiment they do in biochemistry with some machine that uses an electric field, and they'll want to know, okay, 
what's true of this electric field if we turn up the voltage? Or what's true if we move the plates further apart or closer together? Suddenly you have to take that physics you know and apply it to a bio experiment. And getting used to that is the hardest thing I find people do. They spend so much time memorizing facts that they never take time to get used to what the questions and passages are like. And they get shocked when they start doing double AMC materials. Number one reason why people postpone, number one reason why people have to repeat. So the best advice, start with the real deal, analyze it, learn what you can from it, and then start your study. Okay. So it's, they're really applying different science fields. They're expecting you to yeah. integrate data and information, basically. Very much so. It's a great test that way. <laughs> okay. How much time should an applicant budget for MCAT prep? I'm guessing it varies from individual to individual, but how, how can they assess it even? Um, it starts with an honest look in the mirror, what you know, what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And partly, how did you take your class? Did you take an easy class? Did you take one of those like notoriously easy online classes? Did you take a more challenging class? Figure out what you know, how much you've covered. And in general, what I tell students is for chemistry, organic chemistry, physics, uh, the psych section, for those content areas, one week of review, if you do know it well, and two weeks if you, if you don't know it so well, based on your background. And then for biology, anywhere from two to four weeks, because biology is so much more cumbersome, so much more to it, genetics, molecular biology, cell, and so forth. So if you know your stuff really well, you can review and get your content organized in six weeks. If you don't know it that well, maybe you need up to 12 weeks. So it starts with a self-assessment. That's, I mean, that just gets you in the door. The biggest part of anybody studying is once they've done that review, applying it. The questions you do while you're reviewing it, but more importantly, double AMC materials, and they have enough out there that you probably take about three weeks to go through them. And then there's oh, something very few people do is a week of just getting yourself together, getting yourself in the right emotional state, getting yourself the right amount of sleep, just being ready and, and just walking that test saying, you know, it's going to be whatever it is. And a few weird things are going to happen. I'm going to catch my breath, relax, I guess massage my shoulders, take a deep breath, whatever I'm going to do. Just going to get back on track. And I'm going to say, yeah, you know what? I get beat up on a question or two here and there. I'm okay with it. And I'm going to do really well on the other 55 out of 59 questions. That get in like the right advice. mindset. That sounds like great advice. Getting back to my timing question, you know, you were talking, you know, if you, you need, might need one week to review physics, if you know it well, two weeks, if you don't know it so well, two yeah. to four weeks, if it's bio. bio. When you talk about weeks, are you talking about somebody looking at it eight hours a day, four hours a day, two hours a day? Excellent point. Yeah. Usually I'm looking at 50 to 60 hours a week of study time. Okay. When you talk about and a so week, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Because it varies if you're in school or out of school, if you're post back, if you're working full time, if you have the summer all to yourself, you're absolutely right. Totally different uh, amount. So probably should say in terms of hours, anywhere from 50 to 100 hours for physics. Uh, Gchem, Ochem, and, and uh, Psych-Soch, and then anywhere from 100 to 200 hours for bio. And this includes not only reviewing it, but doing questions going over those questions. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. Average student puts in about five to 600 hours. They don't realize how much they put in until they look back at it, but there's a lot of time invested. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What advice or tips would you have for people taking it for the second or third time? Oh, they weren't satisfied is... with their score. This is always the hardest thing to do because there's two possibilities for why a score wasn't what they expected. Number one, they weren't as prepared as they thought they were. They were caught off guard and they, the test they took didn't match what they thought they were going to take. Or number two, 
there's a luck factor. I hate to say it, and I think everybody sort of knows it, that when you go in to take the test, let's say you're destined to get a 127 in each section. That's just where you are. You could get all 128, you could get all 126s or some concoction between 126 and 128 in every section. And it's just, there's a certain amount of dumb luck. You can't count on dumb luck too much, but you have to be honest that, you know, maybe I just got beat up on that one test and I have to take more practice tests. For most people, my suggestion, generic uh, suggestion, start over from something totally different. If you walk the same pathway, you end up the same place. Mm-hmm. Come in from a different angle. So if you focused on flashcards, um, and let's say flashcards in UWorld, that's a really common combination. Don't do that next mm-hmm. time. Instead, do nothing but practice questions in the beginning. Do Quizlet and maybe like Berkeley materials or, or do whatever you can to focus on questions as opposed to memorization. Change it up because whatever work, whatever you did first time and it didn't work the way you wanted, change it up. Make sure you know what to expect come test day. That's the biggest thing. So. All right. That, that's, that also sounds like it's obviously what work, what you did previously didn't work. So yep. do something, you know, do something different. Yep. Um, what about people who they, they're doing the practice exams and they feel really good on the practice exams, but on the real day, they freeze. Yeah, that's one of those that just, in. I think for the people I've encountered over the years that fit in that category, from day one of studying, they know that's a potential for them. And I don't know if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. or, and, and, and I'm sure that's part of it in some cases, or other times it's just getting caught off guard. The best preparation asks anybody in, in a medical field, especially if you're an emergency response team, your training comes back to you. You train, 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 train. So number one, your practice tests have to be the most realistic, stressful, and I mean, it may sound silly as worrying about the temperature, but you have to. Computer rooms are cold. Second thing that I've heard from students that I think is pretty genius. I would have never thought of this myself, but there was one woman who swore, go in and wear your favorite nighttime slippers. (laughs) Wear your regular shoes, but bring your slippers in, put them on, and take your test in the most comfortable environment that relaxes you. And, and, you know, it it worked for her. I mean, put yourself in, in, in a comfort zone so you can relax. I'm a big proponent of learn how to recover. You're going to stress out. Everybody stresses out at some point, some more than others. It isn't avoiding stressing out because we need stress. Stress equals energy if we use it the right way. But learning to recover, learning what gets you back on track, and sometimes being pragmatic, looking at the big picture. Sometimes it's something as simple as a deep breath, massaging your hands, uh, your shoulders, your jaw, whatever helps. Find that thing. And just practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Well, assuming that you do the practice, by the way, I think the advice that you gave earlier also that, you know, just be aware that you are going to come across questions that are going to stump you. Okay. Move on. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, frankly, in life also, there are going to be tough moments. There are going to be difficulties. There's going to be sometimes mistakes that you make and recognize them and move on. It's not that different. Yeah. Cut your losses. Yeah. Yeah. And see the see the big picture. And that's what I think people don't realize is if you make five mistakes, five things beat you up, that's five questions out of the pool. So you're down to 54. No worries. If you can get 50 out of the 54 by staying calm, cool, and collected, you're walking out with a 129 or 130. And that, that's going to get Fantastic. you in where you want to get. Yeah. yeah. But it, the problem is that one question that just eats at your soul and you get so proud, you spend too much time on it and you let it haunt you while you're doing the rest of the test that's where people usually run in that mental trouble. They don't let go. 
Streamline your med school applications with Interfolio. Apply to multiple schools at once, request secure letters of recommendation, and more. Sign up at interfolio.com backslash accepted with the code accepted22 for 10% off. That's interfolio.com backslash accepted. And now let's go back to the interview. Now, we talked a minute ago about the time that, that the prep requires. And pre-meds are usually really busy people, whether they're traditional you know, med students in college uh, who are working on maintaining their GPA and they want the high MCAT score. They're also juggling volunteer commitments. If they're non-traditionals and they're out of college already, then they're working full-time. And there's also juggling volunteer commitments as well as MCAT prep. There, there are still only 24 hours in the day. And of course, you need to eat and sleep. How can pre-med shoehorn in? You were talking about full-time weeks of study. Do you have any recommendations on how do you shoehorn in a few more hours for MCAT prep into an already crowded schedule? Or do you? You just say, I'm not going to shoehorn, I'm going to devote. Well, see, that's a thing that it's kind of a weird starting point. But usually the first thing you did in class is made everybody calculate how many hours in a week, 168. Okay. said, okay. If you sleep eight a day and spend two eating, preparing, doing what you need to do, you just need that downtime. It's 10 hours a day. That's 70 a week. You have 98 hours. How do you spend your 98 hours? Well, okay, you're commuting, but does commuting mean you can't study? No, you just have to study differently. You're at work for 40 hours, so be it. That's still 50 something hours. You have to learn how to use those um, efficiently. Now, the problem is people always picture studying, sitting down for three, four, five hours of the book, going through it and answering questions and having this target. You have to chunk your, your time. And the best advice I can ever give is study for no more than 90 to 95 minutes at a time, the length of a section. And then every now and then fill in that 10 or 15 second or minutes of downtime you have. So let's say uh, it's like you, you get done your work at 345, you have another 15 minutes. Use that time wisely. Have your little flashcards or something. Exactly. Five or 10 questions here and there. Um, Somebody came up with a genius idea years ago when we first started doing this. First started Berkeley Review, literally the first year. Um, Took all all the questions, put them on flashcards, put a loop in it, and called it their pocket test. They turned (laughs) it over and turned it over. And this is back when paper was the uh, optimal choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was genius. And on one side, it was a question, backside was an explanation. And they had their pocket test that they always... Whenever they'd ride the bus from the parking lot to campus, they'd pop it out. And so and just, getting your- just creating that thing would, would be a study tool. Yeah, exactly. It, oh, a great one. If you set it up the right way, wonderful one. And so find time. There's always enough time to t- stop and tell somebody you have no time. <laughs> it's just, it, it, so it, figure it out. And it's hard. It is really hard. I look at some of these students, I'm just amazed. I'm in awe at what they sacrifice to do everything. Oh, they, and, they work terribly hard. Yeah, but they find a way to do it. And med school is going to be and, and med school is going to be the same thing. I mean, you're taking a fire hose's worth of uh, information every week. So. For sure. Right. Is there any section of the MCAT that tends to trip up students more than any other? Cars is one of those you have or you don't. So that's like the natural one that comes to mind. But honestly, over the years, um, Chem physics, at least the last few years, has been the nemesis for far more people than I thought coming in. And I think it's part of it is because it's so different than what you did in school. In school, you memorize straight chemistry, straight physics. Now, all of a sudden, it's physics and chemistry of biosystems or biological experiments. And it catches people off guard. 
they, and I think the hardest thing is they see this very intimidating looking machine or passage and they do not trust that they have the basic knowledge to be able to work their way through it. And there's a confidence gap and an application gap that once you overcome those, once you realize this test is easier than I thought. And, and I hope this is one of the things everybody studying realizes when you do the AMC materials and you're getting beat up and not feeling good and you read the answer and like, oh my gosh, that's so simple. That those messages, those little things start adding up and you realize it's not hard, it's different. That's and, a great way to look at it. Yeah. Wonderful. And, and if you do, it's, yeah, if you do, it's not such a bad section but it's the most complained about. <laughs> right, right. It's probably also the most different from like science classes. Yes, yeah. Most of them yeah, are science majors, so. Yeah, you're absolutely right. psych soch is very similar to what they see in school. The bio questions are very similar to what they do in lab and see in school. Chem physics is different from what they see in school. Right. You're, you've nailed it right there, exactly. Oh. What are the most common mistakes in MCAT prep? that you see applicants making unless I don't know if we covered uh, them already, but uh... kind of, but year in and year out, the people who just focus so much on content review and they buy a book that like covers all seven subjects that it'll say on the cover of five subjects or whatever they advertise. And they figure reading this book and reading all this content is what they need. And then when they start practicing, they realize it's not about content there. It's like the best description. The MCAT is like an open book test on a book you haven't read. So, if memorizing a bunch of things you think is going to help you on that test, you're making a mistake. Instead, you have to learn how to read things and figure them out as you go. It only comes from practice. You can only get this by doing passages and questions. You can't develop it by, by memorizing and, and doing flashcards. And I can't tell you how many people. And I mean, honestly, we're talking 80% of the people studying for the MCAT study the wrong way. They waste time. And the right way would be mastering the material questions. and then doing the questions from the AMC. And don't be afraid to get stuff wrong. Do not be afraid to get stuff wrong and learn from it. It's better to do a test and get three questions wrong and thoroughly go over it and learn it and then do something like it again and get it right than to read about everything and take practice and get everything but two of them right and think you know it. Learn from your mistakes. Biggest, biggest message you can have. Somebody said, I think uh, a failure is a mistake if you learn from it. Yeah, I like um, it. Yeah, yeah. What about yeah. tips specifically, and you, you alluded to this at one point earlier, a few minutes ago, what about tips for the day before and the day of the MCAT exam? Everybody's different. This is one of those where my personality type, I need to study to the last minute. I'm anxious. I'm, I got the competitive streak. I have to be doing something. Other people, the best thing to do is go hike a mountain and not <laughs> think about the test. You do you. Do whatever you do, but definitely get good sleep. And the whole week before the MCAT, good sleep. Because the night before, you may not get the best sleep. Anxiety may kick in. So as long as you have a lot in the sleep tank, you're going to be okay. And then eat right. Eat right and hydrate. So go mm -hmm. into that test. I mean, just energized. And plan your day. It's a little things like traffic that can stress you out. It's a, it's a silly example, but there's a center out here. And this center was one where you had to make a left turn or right turn to get into the parking structure. And all the right turners would go in and get their ticket and all left turners would start to back up. You could sit in that left turn lane for 20 or 30 minutes, oh, gosh. stressing out about getting in the parking lot. And so just going in the, from the right direction changed your entire day. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and people would do that or cut people off and they're getting really anxious and little things like that. If you know that a day or two in advance, you know that it, you cut down that stress. Nobody needs to walk into the MCAT thinking they're going to get there 15 minutes early and they end up getting five minutes late. 
stressed out of their mind and it can ruin the day. Yeah. Do a test run, go to your center, see what it's like, know the nuances of traffic. Know, let I me mean, know everything. Look at what the weather is going to be. Have your backup plan, have a friend that can take you if something goes wrong, if your car breaks down, take away all the stress of life and just go in and focus on nothing but the test. We'll say the, the, the students we've had who had either their parents or their significant others or relative, take them to the test, like make sure they had lunch, take care of them. Always seem to do a little bit better. Really? Yeah. It's just that that support network is so important the day of the test. Have all your contingencies, have everything in place. I know when one of our consultants said that, you know, sometimes parents obviously want their children to do well, right? And they'll say the best gift you can give your child is to let them study the entire summer before they apply. Not the summer that they apply, the summer before they apply. So they can take the, you know, usually the August or September MCAT and not be kind of balancing school and 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 MCAT prep, just devote themselves for three months to MCAT prep, two months, three months, yes. whatever it would be. But yeah. um, and it's powerful. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Without without uh, pressure and recrimination, that's not support. Support is yeah. It's that fine line. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, we, I, I just think over the years we've had the parent who comes to class with their kid, telling their kid what to do. But we also have the parent comes to school, make sure your class, make sure they're fine and disappears for two hours, comes back, give them a ride home. So it's time efficient for them. Right. That second support is wonderful. Love those parents. They're the best. Right. Right. So. Yeah. It, it can be a fine line. I'm sure we've both had some experiences with parents that were uh, very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. On um, each side of that line. Oh yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah. For sure. What would you have liked me to ask that I haven't asked? Um, just, I'm glad you asked about the MCAT, the timing of it. Um, you mentioned Berkeley Review, and I might just uh, bring something up just because, uh, as I mentioned you last minute, for almost 30 years, we ran a course. I loved it. It was the best, best part of my life. It was the greatest teaching in the world, but we're done. And I just, I, I kind of want to get a message out because anybody who's uh, taken our course and is now applying and, and, and sees this or works with you, Thank you for taking our class. It was it was a wonderful, wonderful ride. And just due to situation circumstances, it was just time. So we uh, we ran our, ran our last big class last summer. In the fall, we experimented. Somebody else tried to run it and it just didn't work. And it was just, it was time to end it. So just thank you for being so supportive over the years. Um, I'm in that transition phase. I'm gonna do, I still do some personal and private tutoring for some of my former students. Um, just pro bono, just because who they are. But Will you take any listeners to this podcast going forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll end up doing some tutoring. I, I don't have it organized. Like the company was so mm. ultra organized. Now it's just a matter of figuring out what they need. But for chem and physics, if they need help, by all means, I got a lot of tricks still up my sleeve and, and a lot of materials to share. that right. I want to figure out how to get those out there because, I mean, the whole process is so expensive that, I mean, it'd be nice to save a little money here and there. And if I can put something out that's free for people, I'd love to. Okay, great. Now, um, and you had given me permission to give out your email address, right? So I can give it to listeners. Sure. It's Todd Bennett, at, Todd Bennett MCAT at yahoo.com. We'll also include that in the show notes, um, which will be at accepted.com slash 480. So if you didn't quite catch it again, it's Todd with two D's, Bennett with two N's and two T's, MCAT at yahoo.com. If you want to reach out to Todd, because you'd be interested in working with him on MCAT prep. Yeah, hopefully you know how to spell MCAT. Yeah. At this I point in so the process. 
<laughs> and if not, again, it will be in the show notes, but you might have some other problems yeah. if you can't. Yeah, you might, yeah. <laughs> All right. Again, Todd, thank you. We'll include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 480 to Todd's email address, as well as to other resources that will be of help to you medical school applicants. Listener, thank you too for joining Todd Bennett and me for our 480th episode. Quick reminder, don't miss the med school admissions quiz. Find out if you are really ready to apply and competitive at your target schools. Take the quiz at accepted.com slash medquiz today. Again, that's accepted.com slash medquiz. And a final request. If you find this show worthwhile, please share the good word by leaving a review on iTunes, also known as Apple Podcasts. Your doing so helps us spread the news about Admission Straight Talk and is much appreciated. You can leave that review really easily also by going to lovethepodcast.com slash A-S-T. Again, that's lovethepodcast.com slash A-S-T. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. 